weekly Wednesday Shir. And all the other happy occasions that take place today, the happy birthdays that need to be given, the Havdli Badlu, Chaim Tevim, the Shalom. Shvigya Granny was very, very into birthdays. She very, very on top of things, always for years, made sure to call everybody on their birthday, made sure they got birthday cards with their little gift inside. So birthdays are monumental days. They're not as simple and not something that we should just downplay. The Rebbe said himself, the Rebbe says many times in Isichas about the Cheshivas of Yemelevis, the importance of a birthday, how people need to take stock and need to understand, need to think through what they're worth, what their value is, what they've accomplished, what they need to accomplish in the year to come. This week's Parsha, Parsha's Chayesora. We're coming from Chav Cheshvin, Shabbos Mavarach, and Rishkedish Kislev, and Yatzasheva Baalena Leteva. Shluchim from all around the world will be joining us this Shabbos, expecting thousands of Shluchim to be here. The community in Baruch Hashem will be flooded in Yatz Hashem. All the Shluchim coming, Shavasachim Gam Yachad, the camaraderie to come together, to join together. The Rebbe spoke many Sikhs of the connections to these parshas and Kinnis HaShluchim itself. The greeting of the Shluchim and the Rebbe was very ma'achil in those days, we're not talking about thousands of Shluchim showing up, those days there were maybe a hundred Shluchim that showed up. Kinnis HaShluchim was held in local shuls practically. Today the Grand Banquet has to be taken every year to a different excuse me, a different venue, larger and larger and larger, according to census, as we say, in honor of the 120th year of the Rebbe, 120 shluchim went out this year, Which means the shliach went out every th- every third day. Another shliach went out to go out on shlichus in the course of the year. Asheinu mativ chokeinu hanayim gedolenu. They wish to bench them all with harchava, chavas adas, chavas gashmias, ruchnias, and of course they should be able to be memala their shlichus. Should fulfill exactly what they're there for in a positive way and may always cause positive reactions and thereby ultimately causing the ultimate positive reaction reaction of Bias Gael Tzedek, the Rebbe's and scholars, the Rebbe Melech HaMashiach will reveal himself once again and proudly have his shluchim marching behind him and his chassidim arm in arm, Sheves Achim Gam Yochad. 
With that, we wel- with that we welcome our shluchim. Pashas Chaya Sara. The life of Sara. We're going to discuss soon the life of Sara in its picture of the way it may be. We've said many times the vertel, as we call it, of Sada's passing takes place in the beginning of the Pasha as she's shown Akeda Yitzchak she's shown how Avram Avinu <coughs> takes Yitzchak and binds him to the altar and is ready to sacrifice and is reaching out already for the knife and the Sultan stretches her neck or whatever he does over here he lifts her up and shows her this whole action that's about to take place, and says that says the mother says everywhere that parcha neshmasa and neshama flew out. But we look at Rashi, who is the champion of the pshutish hamikra, the champion of the mechamish hamikra, and Rashi tells us as he quotes this message, telling us about what Sarah saw or heard. Rashi says he adds a word, Kemat, almost shechted Yitzchak. He almost did it. If common sense would dictate, then it would say that he said, Avram slaughtered Yitzchak, and she died. And then, by the time she died, he said the word almost. So it was too late, she didn't hear it. She was gone. But that doesn't work, even with common sense, because the fact is, who was he talking to? Why would he say the word almost to a dead person? Second of all, why would Taylor even mention that he said it if it was already she was gone? Elamai, he didn't. He said Avram almost shechted Yitzchak. Avram, and he said he's trying to exp- he explained to her the whole everything that happened the last three days. You realize, of course, that Avram and Yitzchak are not here for three days. You know where he went. He took Yitzchak, and he took two servants, and he took a donkey, and he took a knife with him, and he's bringing Yitzchak as a karm. Didn't affect her. She was actually very, very proud. Very proud as a Jewish mother that her child was fit to be a carbon. A carbon has to be without blemishes, has to be perfect. So if her son, she had raised for 37 years, was now fit to be a carbon after all these years and didn't blemish any which way, form, or fashion, his neshama, wow! A mother's dream. Then, Sutton says, Kemat, almost. He didn't do it. This she could not take. Did my son, Chasushalom, have a blemish that he was not fit to be a sacrifice? Is that what I, that, is that what my son amounts to? Is that what my child, or my BST, my blood, sweat, and tears that I invested in my child? And she, he's not fit to be a, a carbon. 
she could not take that, the pain of the Jewish mother, and with this Paruch HaNeshmasa, she passed away. We cannot fathom, we cannot put in a bottle, you can't patent it, you can't make an app for it, you can't put it in a computer chip. The love of a mother to a child. Befrat a Jewish mother to the child. How much a woman yearns to have children and to hold their children and to nourish their children and to bring up their children. The man, the father, For the most part, when the child gives them a lot of nachas, they're very proud of the child, they walk around with a star on their shoulder as if they did something. The Akeres Habayis is the mother. The beam, the backbone, raising the children is the mother. And therefore the mother takes credit for everything that happens good. And everything that goes wrong, blames the father. Because mother only does right. (laughs) I get myself shot for that. A child is raised by both parents. But the yearning of a mother for a child is stronger than anything that we understand that we can imagine. The comparison to childbirth, child labor, is the literal comparison of Klal Yisrael, the Jewish nation, in exile. The pangs, the pains, the contractions everything that the woman goes through, the woman knows that ultimately, ultimately she will be holding her child in her arms. She will be holding that precious, precious child worth every minute. It's painful. And they will ask sometimes for different medications for the pain. But for the most part, they're well aware that the ultimate reward is the Jewish child. And therefore, people make many different sacrifices to be able to be zecheh, to have a Jewish child. Unfortunately, today's day and age and with this we say with bitter tears unfortunately there are many 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 women children girls being deprived of that moment because of whatever frivolity that's going on in the world and therefore not being quote unquote air quote, offered shidduchim or just plain 
not even if they go out on a shidduch not succeeding with the fact that the heads of the men or the boys are so full of different things that they don't understand what they're looking for on their own this is a decree that's on Klal Yisrael now that's worse than what we've ever gone through not the inquisition not the holocaust caused as much pain as the pain of the single child that's not married Every single moment that that child is not married, every single moment that child is being deprived, those who are married and Shalom are not having children right away, this pain is head and shoulders above and beyond any pain that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has ever put us through. And therefore we beseech and we cry out and we call out Hashem, Hashem is Baruch <laughs> nullify this decree open the gates you've already determined 40 days before the child was born who the match would be yes granted everything in its right time yes granted you have everything in mind you know exactly who has to be when The desire is too great. The tests are too great, too strong, too painful. Claudius soul cannot tolerate them. That yid that sang on imam and walking to a gas chamber, or when being facing the barrel of a gun, said Shema Yisrael Hashem Alekeinu Hashem Echod. They withstood that pain that they were being subjected to. Our children cannot it is too hard, it is too harsh of a decree. And it must be lifted now. Because Chaya Sara, the life of a Jewish mother, is her children. And as the Rebbe's, the Rebbe's wife at home was visited once by a family, and one of the children asked, but they noticed there were no toys around, they asked, where are your children? And the Rebbe Tzanan said, my children are in 770. Rebbe, we are your children. Our children are your children. And we ask, therefore, that this horrific, abominable decree, decree be lifted once and for all, and that each and every person find their zivug within the next very, very short time. And each and every one hold their children in their arms because it's the children, the ones that say, that will call out and recognize. When the Kriyas Yamsev was the children that said, first, in recognition of where and who God is. And this is what makes a person a person when they hold their child in their arms and they know that they need to protect and they need to educate this child to become a better person this automatically does the same for the person themselves
with the turn of the nose, things have been killed and been destroyed. And so has many Shaduchim. May this all cease and may there be Shevesachim Gam Yochad Kal Yisrael should stop seeing these horrific barriers between one another, should look past them and see who their child is, the Ebishter's children, the Rebbe's children, and see to it that they are given their opportunity to continue of the first Shidduch that happens in this week's Parsha, as Adimelech goes, goes out to Yitzchak, as he picks up Rivka, brings her home to Yitzchak, and that is the first true match that was made with a matchmaker. And may all the Shatchanim be gebenched that they should get to work and they should find Taka, put the pieces of puzzles together, not for their money, for the mitzvah, for the Indian, for the thought that Klal Yisrael can no longer withstand this horrific, horrific decree. The story is told of a Rav. Made a chasana. His own child married off his child, Baruch Hashem. And obviously the chasnah went very late. He was the of the city. <coughs> and they had mitzvah tents, whatever it was. But the Rav in the morning didn't sleep in after the chasnah was up at regular time giving his shir, fartogs. Went through his regular, regular rigorous day. That night there was another chasan in the town. And the Rav says to his Gabbai, after Shevet Brachas, he says, come, I have to go over to the chasana. Gabbai was flabbergasted. He says, Rabbi, you barely slept last night. Where do you have Kirk to go now to a chasana? The Rav says, I want to go over. Say Mazel Tov. And the Rav comes in, he goes over to the Mechutten and he says to him, Mazel Tov. And Chutan looks at him and says, Nobody called you, nobody is looking for you. Rav said, Thank you, said Malatov, and walked out. The Gabbai heard this and wanted to slap the guy in the face. Machutzif, the Rav comes to Yechas and that's how he talked to him. Nobody called you. So he says to the Rav, He can't take it anymore. He says to the Rav, He says, What's going on here? You went to this Chasana for this Machutzif to talk to you like that? He says, what? He says, he told you, nobody called you, nobody looking for you. The Rav burst out laughing. And he was laughing so hard, he couldn't even come, he couldn't even come to himself, he couldn't compose himself, and he couldn't explain what, was, <laughs> what just happened. <coughs> Finally, he says to him, this morning, after this year, I walked over to this man, I knew he was making chasana tonight, and he says, I can't help you with much money, but what can I help you with? And the man told me, I honestly, I have one problem, I don't have a cell phone. I don't have a cell phone, and I need to be able to call people, to talk to people during the course of the day. So the says, nah, that's to my cell phone. And you let me know if anybody calls, anybody's looking for me later. So I came to the chasana, and the guy told me, no, nobody called you, and nobody asked, nobody was looking for you. The phone didn't ring, there was no text, there was no nothing. But the Gabbai heard these words. And the Gabbai was in such pain, thinking that this person was talking so wickedly and so badly about the rabbi, to the rabbi. Whereas it was a simple, simple 
answer to what the Rav was asking. <coughs> the reason the Rav came was to find this out. So we have to understand that this decree which we are facing today is based on the same same words that we people talk and people see in the street, people talk on the wherever they meet each other and they tell and they say, Oh, this person, well you can't do this shidduch, you can't do that shidduch, you can't do here shidduch. So here your children are twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven years old, but you listen to the advice of the people who told you the great Lashon Hara about all those people. My son's favorite joke lately is the three Gehenim of the real Yerushalmi, old time Yerushalmi. Three things that he gets in Gehenim. One is a mikvah with no water. One is a cigarette with no, no fire to light it. And one is Lashon Hara without a name. How much more painful can it get to hear Lashon Hara and not have the name, not know who it is? Wow. Maybe she should help that the Lashon Hara and the blaspheming and the bad thoughts that people have on one another should all be totally decimated, totally wiped away. And that Yidin should be able to look at each other eye to eye and be able to say, okay, I want to do a Shidduch with you. My child is fit enough I raised them well enough to be able to marry your child and then very, very soon the thousands of children that are looking, literally thousands of children that are looking for, active, actively looking for Shaduchim should all be answered, should all be matched together and they should build a bias and be The Pasha itself, as we know, begins with the passing of Sarah. And then Avram confronts Ephraim and purchases the fields needed for burying of Sarah. Then, as we said before, the marriage of Yitzchak and Rivka. And the Nechemavelim for the passing of Yitzchak's mother. And at the end it tells us that Avram remarries he marries the Keturah who ultimately was Hagar and the children of Yishmael. A very, very action-packed parasha with many, many different subjects and topics to talk about. And a one-hour shir would never suffice such a thing. Each thing in its own probably at least of an hour. But one thing that we need to understand the name of the Pasha. The name of the Pasha does not fit the MO. It does not fit what's going on in the Pasha. Chaye Sara, the life of Sara, and it talks about the demise, the passing of Sara, and then talks about everything else but Sara. Why is it called Chaye Sara? So there must be a very strong connection with the life of Sarah and everything that happens and transpires in our Pasha. True life is perpetual. 
doesn't end when a person passes away. I was talking yesterday to somebody who wants to know what my opinion is about the Rebbe, if the Rebbe is alive, the Rebbe is alive. He says, what's your business? It's not your business. But we do know that Chayeim, the Tzadikim's lives are greater in this world when they were, when they've gone, we don't see them, than when they were when they were alive walking with, walking with us. So the passing of a person does not end the legacy, does not end everything. It adds their existence within their <coughs> offspring. And what they establish, what they set up for the world, what they paved the road for the world. In this way, in this vein, after a person passes away, we say testimony to what they actually accomplished on all the good of their life. And we need to obviously not focus on anything wrong that a person did, but rather focus on the good that they did. He tells a story of a fellow, I've told this before, communist Russia couldn't sit openly and learn a mismanage. So what would they do? They would go into different caves and different holes, different places. Every night they'd meet somewhere else. You had to be privy to find out exactly where the learning place was. And the quarters were not exactly <coughs> comfy, shall we say. People were squashed in there to hear the shear. There was one here, an Amaretz, an ignoramus, who used to always manage to find the way the shear is and always be by the shear. Finally, someone told him one day, I don't understand. You don't understand a word that's going on in the shear. What are you pushing in here for? Making it more cramped for everybody else. And who knows, maybe somebody who does know what's going on would want to come to the shear, but they can't because you're here. And he said to him, let me tell you why. I was once drinking in a bar. Innocently in the corner, sitting by a table, I had a drink. There was a group in the bar of revolutionaries who were planning a revolution against the government. And the government found out, and they raided the place. They raided the place and they started beating the revolutionaries to the pulp. Even little innocent me sitting in the corner, they ran over and they started beating me as well. And I said, I have nothing to do with this. I, have, I don't know who they are. And I don't know what you want from me. I didn't play. I'm just sitting here innocently in a corner far away from everybody. And they gave the uh, good old answer of uh, democracy guilty by association. You're near them, you're, with, you're going to be part of them. You're considered part of them, and therefore you're going to get the punishment that they get. I understood from that, that if you're near a group of people, it rubs off on you. It reflects on you. And if I'm in a group of people that are not so good, 
and I get beaten for it, how much better is it if I'm sit with a group of people that are doing good and let that rub off on me, let me be associated with that. So then ultimately when the reward comes for them, it'll come for me as well. I'm part of you. The way of life that a person acts and behaves in this world reflects on the ancestor that passed away and that left his legacy. The Kibbutz Kordom is a Titus five side two. Because I'll say Yaakov Avinu Yaakov Avinu did not die. And explains, Mazare Bechayim, Afu Bechayim, just like his children are alive, just like his legacy, just like he lives on. <coughs> Whatever he established, that's how he lives on. <laughs> a guy once said that I only Davin Maidav, I don't have a Shachas of Mincha. He said, Why do you only Davin Maidav? He says, Mahu Bechayim, Mazare Bechayim, Mazare Bechayim, Afu Bechayim. I want to live Yaakov's legacy. Yaakov established Maidiv. Sayyidav and Maidiv. Obviously, this refers to all the forefathers who established Shachas and Milcha as well. As you know, this week's Pasha, Yitzchak went out to the field, the Suach Basada. That means that he was davening Milcha. So, Mazari B'chaim, Afu B'chaim means to say that just like the children, the offsprings, continue this way of the father or the forefather then he too remains alive Dafke in this parsha, after the passing of Sarah Imenu we see the perpetual perpetuality of her life we see Rivka who continued the ways of Sarah as the Pasuk says, Yitzchak Sarah Imei. Brought her into the tent of Sarah, his mother, and as she explains, Sarah Imei. She is like, just like Sarah. She caused, again, the three miracles that happened in the day of Sarah to re- return once again to the tent. And the rest of the Pasha as well also teaches us the Shita of Sarah how it was always perpetual. Sarah, in contrast to Avram, was the mother of Yitzchak, and Yitzchak only. That was her only child. And thereby, putting everything that she had into Yitzchak. Every iota of Kedusha, of sanctity, of holiness that she had, she planted and instilled in Yitzchak. Avram, on the other hand, had Yishmael and the other children of Keturah afterwards, And he had all these other children. 
Sarah wanted the Ben Ha'oma to get lost, to get away from her son, not to, God forbid, influence her son whatsoever. Whereas Avram was in great pain of that, but followed his wife's dictate nonetheless, and sent Sarah away, sends away Hagar with Yishmael. What the happenings in this week's parasha, not the stories. We don't have stories. Teda is not a storybook. Everything that's mentioned in Teda is a happening which we need to learn from and reflect from. Everything that goes on in the world we need to learn and reflect from. There was a king that used to go with his prime minister. Every so often they would dress up like regular laymen and they would go to this, visit the, the town folk. And to visit the people and to hear from them, what, who are you, what are you, what happens in life. And the king would learn a lesson from everything and everyone. <coughs> One day the prime minister said, where are we going today? And the king said, we're going to the hospital. The hospital? What's the fellow in the hospital? He says, uh, we'll find out. He says, what could you learn from people that are lying down on deathbeds? He says, we'll find out. And they come into a room and they see a guy dying in excruciating pain. He said, what happened to you? And he said he was bit by a dog. And it probably was rabies and whatever other diseases they had. And he was dying from it. They had no cure. He says, surely the hospital has a cure for this. He says, the only cure is to take the dog that bit me while it's alive, take its liver, and you can make a medication from the liver of the dog, and that would save my life. So the minister says, so why don't you go get the dog and someone bring the dog and save your life? He says, what should I tell you? He says, when the dog bit me, I was so angry, I grabbed a stone and I smashed its head. I killed it. So I destroyed my only chance of survival of being revived. All right. And they said, sorry to hear, and they left. The Prime Minister says to the king, why did we just go to the hospital? What could you possibly have learned from that? And the king said, I learned one of the most powerful lessons I ever learned. This man was angry at the dog. And out of anger, he crushed the dog's skull. However, he also destroyed any chance of his survival by doing so. I learned from this, that if I ever get angry at somebody, I don't kill them right away. I need to sleep on it. I need to get my life together, my eyes eyes and my head, my mind straight, before I put any decree on anybody. So that I know how to focus and I don't have an abstract result. And that's what he learned from this. So the same we find any happening in the Teda is not a story of the past, but something that teaches us a lesson. The Pasha teaches us testimony on the righteousness on the ways of Sarah herself. 
it opens up Pasha with the story of the Maras HaMachpelah, which from the source was the very same cave where Adam and Chava were buried, the mother and father of all creation, of human creation. And we see that Avram purchases the grave, the, the cave for the burial of Sarah. And there ultimately were buried the fathers, our forefathers and our mothers. Just like Sarah's request in the Sichman, where she asked God Almighty's tremendous wealth <coughs> and plentifulness should go over to her son Yitzchak. In addition on all this, second thing that happens, Eliezer gets sent as a messenger. Eliezer ultimately was a Talmud Muvik of Avram. He was the best student. It says about him, he was Deilo Mashke Metedes Rabbi Lachirim. He was going home to give out a yumach of Chesam Abbas. He too gave over to others. And he too merited many miracles. And he wanted Yitzchak to marry his daughter. He had a daughter himself. To which Avram did not agree. There we go. That's where the Shiddha crisis starts. You got your own backyard and you go look somewhere else instead. Avram knew that this had, that Yitzchak's wife had to come from his family. And Avram answered him, Bini Baruch Ata Or, Ein Or Baruch. Very, very deep conversation. My son is blessed, you're cursed. The blessing and curse doesn't mix. What exactly and how exactly he referring to, he didn't, God forbid, look to embarrass or to insult Eliezer, who was his right hand. Eliezer. But he did understand and he did accept so much so that he embarks on this shidduch, he embarks on his mission with full heart and his full soul. Then the end of the Pasha shows us, and the Torah says, Avram gave everything that he had to Yitzchak. He had many different concubines, etc. He gave them gifts, and he sent them away from Yitzchak. So thereby, the entire parsha shows us the righteousness of the ways of Sarah Imenu. She saw to it the continuity, Dafka going through Yitzchak, her son, and asked that all the plentitude of God should come down upon him.
Therefore, the parsha is called Chaye Sara. For Dafka, through her, we reveal the perpetualness and the righteousness of her life. Tells the Tera of Ram Zokin Boba Yaman. And Azal tell us, Avram Avinu saved his entire life, or perpetuated his entire life, service of God. All his days, all his years were complete. He didn't waste even a single solitary day. Um, a little alert here. We know that Avram recognized God when he was three years old. Keep his score at home. It's Gemara Lamed in the Dorim Lamed Beis Amar Aleph, which tells us Chazal that he recognized God at the age of three, and we see a hint to, alluded to this in the Tera. Where the Tera says, "Ekev Ashashama Avram Bekeli," look as if, as whereas Avram listened to my voice. Ekev, the word Ekev is Gematria one hundred and seventy-two, teaching us that one hundred and seventy-two years he devoted Bekeli to my voice. Why? Why only 172 if he lives 175 years? <coughs> teaches us that at three years old only he recognized God. In that case, how do we say that his entire life was devoted to the service of God? There were three years that weren't. More so, there are different opinions in Medrash whether when it was that Avram actually recognized God. According to one opinion, it was at 40 or 45, 48. If that's the case, how is it possible to say that he lacked nothing in the service of God throughout his entire life? Every day was full and complete. It could even have been 40 or 48 years that he didn't serve God. Bottom line, this question is possible to ask on every one of us. Only at three years old do we start being told we're a yarmulke, we're tzitzis, have payas, In that case, until that point, we're lacking in our ways of of being serving God. So we find as well that until 13, we don't serve Hashem really properly either. We don't want to film, we don't do anything that uh, until Bar Mitzvah, we're not obligated of all Mitzvahs. 
So here too, our lives are not totally complete. Baruch Hashem, today's generation has a little bit of a different attitude. An infant, once they're starting to be given food, the parent makes a bracha with them. Even though they can't speak yet or anything else, but they make the bracha with them, teach them the for before we eat. You have to make a bracha. Again, referring to the chinuch of the mother, as the mother is the one that's feeding and nurturing the child, and the yearning and the love that a mother has for a child is to educate the child properly, to make sure the child does what they're supposed to do. So it's self-understood that the education and the learning process, the years of preparation, are not considered lacking. The opposite. The years of preparation, of teaching, and of learning, and establishing the child to know exactly what they have to do, where to go from here, that is the ultimate goal and completion of their task. When the tailor commands to do something, you need to know beforehand exactly what you're doing and how you're doing it. So therefore the preparation that's done for this is part of the parcel of the mitzvah. So although the person is not practicing yet the mitzvah, <coughs> the learning is what's setting the person up. And therefore the learning is part of the whole process. One would probably say the same thing about a convert, a ger. They go through the time of a year or a year and a half, two years, whatever it is being taught all the things about Yiddishkeit in order they should be able to leave a proper Jew question comes when they said I want to be Megayar a year and a half ago, two years ago I want to convert, I want to be Jewish I want to practice Yiddishkeit I want to put on film, I want to daven, I want to keep Shabbos, I want to keep Yom Tif. And we tell him, you can't. Wait a minute. Savlanut. You need to prepare. You need to learn. You need to know what's going on first before you convert. A lot of the learning process is there, obviously, to just deter them. Because we don't like, we don't just grab gay converts off the street. So a lot of the learning process is simply to tell them, to show them how hard and rigorous it would be for them. Life change. And then the rest is obviously to teach them how to actually do what they have to do. So the fact is that this whole preparation, although the person wanted to be a Jew and do a mitzvah a year and a half ago, two years ago, we don't say we deprived, we don't think that we've taken away from them. We know that this is all part and parcel of the mitzvah process. So we can't say that 13 years of a person's life are lacking years when they're not complete. Mm -mm. 
and the person is only exonerated from punishment because it's all considered an anus, an anus, a patria, it's all considered a, a, by accident. To begin with, the Ratzna Berihu, the Ratzna Vakaj Baruchu is that in the 13 years the child should sit and learn Teda. And dedicate time to sitting and learning Teda and devoting their time and their efforts to service of Hashem. This is the entire learning process that we see and that we saw by Avraham Avinu as well. When he began to recognize the Creator and to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu at three years old or 40, 48, whatever it was, But he was searching for the truth all the years and all the time before. As the Rambam writes, Hischel is shaited bedaiti. He started just simply to, shall we say, kick it around in, our, in his mind until he actually found the truth. So therefore, those years are years of preparation which are also considered service to God. However, bottom line, as a preparation, your taka with and its taka has validity to it, but it's not the real thing. You're not doing it, and therefore it does not fall under the category of Shom Avram Bekeli, because he had not yet found it. He had not yet become the servant of God. Yes, granted, he was not wasting time. Granted, he was connecting to what he had to connect to. He was looking and searching for it. But ultimately, he was not really accomplishing it. He's given, not leeway, credit even, for the fact that he was involved and looking and searching. But he's not considered that he was doing a mitzvah. that time, that era, he was not Hashem in denial, obviously, but more so, he was involved in the preparation. Time of Golas in which we are in is a preparation, is a sanctification is an elevation, is a cleansing for the ultimate service to God in the time of the of the of the Geula Amitesh Lashema. Dafka through the chinuch and education in this time 
we can reach the ultimate goal and ultimately come out to Gula Mashiach I just want to touch, I want to touch on the concept of Yafasi Chasen Shal Avdi Aves if Neamakim Itirasen Shabbanim. The conversation of the servants of our forefathers had such value that it's even more important, more, more beautiful than the before the Abish than the Tera of the children. The Tera tells us at great length the messenger Eliezer and his Shlichus of the servant of Avram going to Charon, Chazal tell and stand on this fact, and build on this. The tailor is repeating again the story of how he was sent on his mission. Why is it repeated again? He could have just hinted to what happened over here in the tailor because it says, how important, how beautiful it is we need to understand how is it possible that the story of a shtichus of a servant of Avram is greater than Tehrak Desha. Even the Tehra itself, it's known that even with the Aves learning Tehra, the Tehra was a, a level which is not exactly the one we have uh, that we received after Har Sinai. And here we say that the conversation of a servant of the forefathers about physical things is more valuable than Tehra than Zbanam that was given in Sinai we understand this according to the way it says in Chassidim the difference between a Sicha a conversation a Sicha in Tehra by HaKadosh Baruch Hu Kvayachol Tehra is a Tehra mitzvah that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us where Sicha as it says Hu Soch Vayehi Spoke and it became. The Asarim and Manasim, which Akadik Baruch created the world, are considered, are considered Sicha for him. It comes a speech. Because the entire world, the Bechinus Ayim Ephes, according to the Ebishter, the whole world is nothing. The creation of the world happened by what's he considered Sicha Schulun by the Ebishter. This Sicha of Akadik Baruch gives us life on a perpetual and a constant basis. And therefore, it's possible. Therefore, it is by Hakadosh Baruch Hu to add and to create the existence of the world in every moment on a new, on a renewed basis. And if he didn't, it wouldn't exist. As we say, every day recreates, recreates. In order that Hakadosh Baruch Hu should say the sicha and be mekay in the world. The world needs to be fit for it. And to have a dogma, the pull of Sikha Vakarj Barakhu. As the Mishnah says, Da Malamalimach, know what's above you. Then Bazich Magad says, Da, you should know. Everything that happens, the Maila, is Mimach is because of what you did. Is an outcome a result, direct result from what you do in this world. The same thing in our in Yonim. Our Ratsana Khaj Barakhu to to enclose ourselves with the Sikha, the Mikhaim, the world this is a way that we do it, a concept of Sicha, Sicha's Chulin, 
and Chol Masachi Yishem Shemayim Chol Derechach Odeiyu. All the work that you do should be Yishem Shemayim and go always in His ways of the service of Hashem. Bechinas and Sicha hints the Sicha of Eliezer, even though that it was talking about simple mundane things, conversation with Besuel and etc. Lavan, still in all it was recognizable and it was taken to such value that it's repeated because he says Eved Avram Onechi. And to this, the Hatera hints at service of Hashem of Sicha, of involvement in Yani Chulin, the Shem Shemayim. The simple things, the mundane things, also being involved for Shem Shemayim is greater and more important, more valuable, even than learning Tera and Mitzvahs. Because Yafa Sichasan Miterasan, the Sicha is more is greater and more beautiful than the Tera. And through the doing this, we pale, we pale. The Otsakaj Baruchu says the Sicha and adds the highest in the world. This Piula with Divrei Chulin, also the Mechina from the ultimate way of the correct way of Tera, and therefore we bond ourselves with Avdei Oves, the servants, the Avedas of Eved, Tafka through the Shechina, Hakdesha Kadosh Baruch Hu brings down the Mata and gives them, feeds and nurtures the world for its entirety in the entire world of life. May we take a see this come to fruition, the, la- the life and labor of Sara, <coughs> and as we spoke in the beginning, all the Shaduchim that need to happen should happen within the next week or so, even faster. And it should be a Sikh of the Ebishta who Sakhvayehi. The Ebishta just has to say it, has to just mention it, and all this can happen and all these decrees can be nullified. And we will be Zekha to the ultimate Kiullah Amitas Vashlema De Mashiach Sidkenu. Welcome Shluchim and have a good Shabbos and a good Shabbos Mevarchim and Shmir Shredish Kislev Simcha Bamitas Vashlema.